Hello, and welcome to Boston Private Perspectives. I'm Shannon Sakosha, Chief Investment Officer at Boston Private. As always, I want to thank you for joining us today. Coming into this week, my intent was to spend a few minutes on the threat of inflation and how it's impacting interest rates. But with the GameStop trade dominating the market narrative, I wanted to take a few minutes to share our views on the subject. First, a quick summary of what's happening. Essentially, what we're seeing are several massive short squeezes that have been driven by investors targeting stocks with significant short interest, meaning there are a lot of short bets placed against these stocks, implying that the stocks will lose value. On the flip side, investors are buying the stock or the options of these stocks in companies like GameStop and AMC, which is pushing the prices higher. As the price goes higher, the short positions need to be covered, which adds more upward pressure to the stock price, compounding the buying and creating the significant moves higher we've experienced over the last week. This lends itself to some introspection for fundamental investors, particularly those that do not take short positions. And so our thoughts on it are as follows. First and foremost, markets do not trade on fundamentals a lot of the time especially in the short term. So while we spend a lot of time talking about fundamentals and why we select the companies and why we select the managers that we do that focus on the fundamentals, um, in day-to-day trading, there are a lot of other factors that can impact the price of a stock beyond what the expectations are for their future cash flows, which is what most of fundamental investing is based on. If you look at what's happening here, um, there is clearly a significant amount of emphasis being placed on the momentum factor. And we've seen the momentum factor dominate in several periods over the last couple of years. And so this is just another example of that momentum factor being prioritized over essentially anything else. Um, Compounding the momentum factor is, of course, uh, the reality of the short squeeze and the construct of that. But one of the biggest issues that Wall Street investors or institutional investors, as they're probably more aptly called, are taking with this particular, these particular trades over the last few days is that fundamentally companies like GameStop and AMC aren't particularly strong. And so they take issue with the fact that there are all of these buyers coming in to buy a stock for a company that really should likely be valued at what it was previous to all of this activity. Again, that's neither here nor there, as this disconnect between uh, fundamentals and the stock price occurs cyclically over time for many companies. Um, In this case, all of that dislocation um, and divergence has actually just happened in a very short time period. The other thing I want to mention is that much of the emphasis has been placed on retail and or and or in be- into individual investors during this recent speculation. Um, but given the volumes of these trades, there are certainly institutional traders who have been active. So while some of the bulletin board activity um, in places like Wall Street Bets or um, Reddit have certainly helped to drive interest in some of these trades and have gotten a lot of publicity in the press, um, just the sheer volume of trading that's happening cannot be attributed to individual or retail investors alone. So 
whether it's a combination of institutional and retail investors who sort of started the the wave over the course of the last couple of weeks, or whether it's been a lot of in- institutional investors stepping into these trades um, over the last couple of days, looking to capitalize on this clear dislocation between fundamentals um, and the stock price. It's hard to tell, but we certainly can see from the amount of trades that of shares that are being traded, excuse me, on an hour by hour basis that there are institutional investors involved in these trades. And there is significant speculation that with a lot of the short covering that's happened um, at the institutional level, that we've also seen hedge fund managers who perhaps were not short the stock previously going long the stock in this environment in order to take advantage of this trade. And so, you know, while I think a lot will be made about the changing dynamic, and we'll talk about that a little bit more, um, I want to caveat that with the fact that for these types of volumes, we are certainly seeing an institutional interest in what's happening. All of this is really the natural progression of investing over the last several years. So if we go back um, to the 1980s, for instance, uh, really the only way to trade stocks for the average individual was to work with a stockbroker, um, charging commissions, uh, being able to execute those trades for you. Uh, there wasn't uh, a, a, you know, there wasn't the technology that would allow you to do that yourself. And so one, it was a bit cumbersome. Two, it was really relegated to wealthier people who could pay the the costs that were associated with and had the capital to invest. Um, and three, it was you know not particularly transparent on how the market worked, and that started to change over the course of the 1990s. And there were a couple of things that really started to allow individual investors or or really force individual investors to become more familiar with the way that capital markets work here in the United States. And the first was the change from defined benefit plans to defined contribution plans. So, you know, moving from a world where your retirement was paid um, through a pension, uh, that it, through a defined benefit plan that your company managed for you on your behalf to a defined contribution plan where your company um, likely put in some sort of matching contribution but really that rested with you to manage that plan and understand how you were saving for your retirement that transition has increased the percentage of Americans who have money in quote unquote in the stock market significantly over the last several years the next outgrowth of that were things like self-directed 401k's so while previously there were several options usually a limited number of options that you could choose now in most you know in many companies if not most companies you can actually select to self-manage a portion of your 401k and really that opens up the the broad universe of investments to you and in the use of managing that tax deferred portfolio so rather than being limited to a small suite of of mutual funds um selected by typically by a consultant to your plan you can now go out and do that work on your own the other thing that's happened is that there has been this significant growth of passive products. And so while that doesn't necessarily align with what's happening in the market today, what it did do was that it allowed people to become more familiar with the markets at large by being able to invest um, cheaply and tax efficiently into the S&P 500 index, for instance, 
Um, it has allowed investors to understand the dynamics of the ebb and flows of the market without necessarily having to make those um, specific company bets on um, buying a basket of stocks. And so that furthered this acknowledgement that that blip on the news screen at night that talked about how the Dow did, because in, in the past, that's all was ever discussed, um, that has allowed investors to get more comfortable with the way that the markets work at large. This has escalated significantly over the course of the last couple of years with sort of the advent of these, what we, we could call robo-advisors or online brokerages, allowing for greater participation through two moves. Number one, um, the ability to purchase fractional shares. So no longer would you be prohibited from buying a stock like Amazon because you don't, you can't buy a, a full share. Um, now you're able to buy a piece of, of the share and therefore the capital commitment that's required to participate in that trade is much lower. And number two, the advent of no, of no cost trading. Trade costs have come down significantly over the course of the last couple of decades. They were significant um, back in the 1980s when you had to go directly to your broker. Um, they were still fairly pricey um, during the dot-com bubble, although with the advent of platforms like E-Trade, that was the first time that investors really had that uh, similar access to the market. And uh, clearly, we saw that that uh, ended poorly for many investors. Uh, but we've seen over the course of the last couple of years that the discount brokerages, um, you know, mainly Fidelity Schwab and TD, um, the the latter two, which are are combining forces, um, have been forced to continue to bring pricing down. And so now, with no cost trading, there's very little um, that would limit an investor to buying even a couple of shares because they're not paying those fees. And so. You know, I, I think that those are some of the forces, competitive forces that have increased investor engagement over the course of the last couple of years that have led us to this period where it does start to seem that everybody has a, a an equity account, everybody's trading stocks, everybody's asking, you know, what are you doing in the market today? Um, and so, you know, is that a negative? No. Speculation in anything, tulips, pets.com, gold pre-financial crisis, solar prior to the U.S. energy renaissance, and now really pretty bad retail stocks that have been shorted by hedge fund managers, um, all of that can lead to pain. But limiting market access won't work long term. We've moved into a digital age. Uh, that process has been accelerated over the course of COVID-19, but it will not stop with what we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Um, and, you know, currently we're seeing some of these online platforms limiting the activity, which will create even more questions about how much the cat can be put back in the bag from a proverbial perspective. One of the things that we're most focused on during this period is our continued belief that education and advice are what's going to be most important in the future. As investment managers, we can no longer rely just on providing access to the markets to maintain our relationships with our clients. And so the shift that we've made over the last several years in providing and focusing on providing 
holistic wealth management solutions for all aspects of our clients' financial life has been a result of the fact that we know the environment is changing. And so as such, it's hard to knock the fact that there seems to be this continued speculation in the markets, and we are concerned uh, that there will be investors that are harmed as a result of it. But attempting to reverse the democratization of the capital markets that's been exp- that we've experienced over the last couple of decades is not the answer. Thanks again for listening to this week's podcast. I want to encourage all of you to reach out to our team here at Boston Private with any questions or concerns you may have. Providing guidance and support as a trusted advisor is our mission. If you have any questions or thoughts on my points today, you can find me on Twitter at Shannon Sakosha. You can also read our latest perspectives on the markets, the economy, taxes, estate planning, and the year ahead by visiting bostonprivate.com. And if you want all of this information delivered right to your inbox, I encourage you to sign up for our newsletters while you're there. Be sure to subscribe to the Boston Private Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or really wherever you prefer to listen. And I look forward to coming to you again next week. This podcast is solely for informational purposes and is not a solicitation or an offer to buy any security or instrument or to participate in any trading strategy. The opinions expressed and information contained in this podcast are given in good faith, may be subject to change without notice, and are as of the date issued. All sourced information is believed to be reliable but has not been independently verified. This podcast discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic, market, or political conditions and should not be construed as personalized investment advice. The following does not represent a complete analysis of every material fact with respect to the topics covered herein. All investments carry a risk of loss. Neither BPW nor its investment professionals or representatives provide tax, accounting, or legal advice. Listeners should review any planned financial transactions or arrangements that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with their advisors. For additional information about us, please refer to our Form ADV Disclosure Brochure, which may be obtained by contacting us at 800-422-6172 or info at bostonprivate.com. Private banking and trust services are offered through Boston Private Bank and Trust Company, a Massachusetts chartered trust company. Wealth management services are offered through Boston Private Wealth, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor and wholly owned subsidiary of Boston Private Bank and Trust Company. Boston Private Bank is an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Investments are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, and may lose value.